you are privileged this morning, I will tell you. Um, I am, uh, it's, a, it's an honor and a privilege for me to have Shavian as a friend. Comes to us straight from South Africa. And uh, I'll tell you, um, you are going to enjoy this message this morning. Uh, we were very intentional about having Shavian be a part of this series and uh, just bring out a whole perspective on this that I will tell you, uh, it'll just enrich your lives. And you'll, we'll be leaving here today, this morning, different than when we came in. Shavian, would you, would you, would you give him a welcome this morning? Well, good morning. <clears throat> so good to be with you. <clears throat> I realize with people that attend a second service, those are usually the people that take their Bibles too literally. Because those are the people that read that verse that says, Jesus only rose in the ninth hour. So I realized you all slept in this morning to be here. But it is great. But uh, <clears throat> I was telling people this morning, I realized something when I, I got here today. And that was um, about my bad experience I had when I came here last time. Some of you remember that? No? Last time I came here... What happened was I drove here to come and speak and this parking lot was kind of filling up. So I had to drive back and park there by, by the school. And all of a sudden, when I wanted to get out of the car, there was a dog. It was a big dog, an ugly dog. And this thing was vicious. It wanted to bite me. And I realized the only thing that I could now do is I have to run from there to the church to get away from this dog. And so as I grabbed my Bible, I started running to the church, and this dog was chasing me. No, I'm kidding. There was no dog. <laughs> but something just happened. I gave you information. And with this information, you started building pictures in your mind. You weren't there, but you started building a picture because I said there was a dog. And when I said there was a dog, you already saw your little dog at home. Then I said it was a big dog, and you saw how your little dog grew. And when I said it was an ugly dog, you knew I wasn't talking about your dog. <laughs> And then I said it was a vicious dog, and you saw the demeanor of the dog change, and you saw the teeth. And when I said I had to run all the way from there, in your mind, you were not thinking R-U-N. You were not thinking C-H-A-S-E. You saw the picture. And here is the question I have for you this morning. Who is the source of the information that's building the pictures of your mind every day? Who's the one that kind of builds these pictures into your mind? And, and so this morning, um, I really hope that I, I, I can, can teach you scripture and teach it well. And I want to give you three passages of scripture. It's kind of a progression in terms of the thinking of the Apostle Paul when he wrote 14 of the 27 books of the New Testament and how he was thinking. And I, I want to read you this progression. I want to start in the book of Ephesians and then I want to read you a verse in Philippians, which is going to be our main passage. And I want to read you a verse in Colossians. 
So if you have your Bibles, you're welcome to, to open them. Otherwise, it's, it's going to be on the screen. So let me read this to you this morning from Ephesians. In Ephesians chapter 1. In Ephesians chapter 1, Paul starts by says, he says, I pray that the eyes of your heart might be enlightened in order that you may know, in order that the pictures of your mind might change, that the, the way that you think, the knowledge that you have will be different. He says, that is my prayer. I pray, may the eyes of your mind may open so that you might be enlightened to know the hope to which I have called you, the riches of this glorious inheritance to his people and his incomparable great power for us who believe. He says that power is the same power. It's the same strength. It's the same might that he extended when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority. This power, dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in this present age, but also in the one to come. Paul is saying, I need you to get this picture in your mind. I, just like you heard this information and you built this picture, hear this information and start getting a picture. The picture is that Christ was risen from the grave He's saying, I need you to get this picture about how God raised Jesus from the dead and he put him at his right hand. And he bestowed upon Jesus all authority, all power and all might. And then he goes on in the next chapter in Ephesians 2 verse 6. He says, but I'm not leaving it at that. I'm not only bringing Jesus up to this power place of authority uh, seated at the right hand. I'm doing something more. He says in Ephesians 2, 6, he says, and then he picks us up and he sets us down in the heavens in company with Jesus, our Messiah. Man, you guys all missed a great opportunity right there to say hallelujah. Somehow it tells me you did not get that picture. Get this picture. Here is the Father seated in heaven. He's put Jesus at his right hand. Where are you and I? Right next to Jesus. I mean, how would that not change the way you pray? How would that not change the way you engage with Jesus? I mean, I see far too many preachers on TV that are always shouting and spitting and like that God is far. It's that Bette Midler song, like from a distance. God has canceled that distance. He said, I'm bringing you right next to Jesus. I mean, you seated next to somebody right now. If you want to talk to them, you do not turn to them and you start shouting at them. No, because there's intimacy. You just, you just get to turn your head and speak with them. Paul is saying, get that picture. Get that picture in your mind, how I'm bringing you up to this place where you can be intimate with Jesus and start here just having this conversation. What's going to happen when, when you have this conversation? Now, where I live in South Africa, I live in Pretoria, which is the capital city of South Africa. Where I live, there is a lake about 45 minutes from my house. And um, I realized that for the next week, coming, starting in that weekend, 
I was going to be training a bunch of pastors coming from all across the continent of Africa. And they were coming down to South Africa to, to do this training with us. And um, so I realized I'm not going to see my wife for a while. So I decided on this Friday afternoon, I'm going to take my wife on a date. And so we drove out to this lake. And right by this lake, they have this beautiful Dutch cheese factory. They make the nicest cheese and crackers. And you could just sit there and have a platter and have some coffee. So that's what we did. And we sat down there. And the next minute, we looked up in the sky. And all of a sudden, I saw these black eagles. If you don't know what a black eagle is, Google it. It's the most beautiful African eagle. And I realized, but this is not their habitat. This is not where you find black eagles in South Africa. And this is fish eagle country. And I, I, we had this discussion about how these things are grabbing their talons and they're spinning through the air. It was just majestic. And the, the owner of this uh, cheese factory saw that we're looking up. He goes, hey, isn't this exciting? These, these eagles just moved in here. We don't know where they came from. And this is the time of the day when they hunt. And that's why they're playing with one another. And we're just like, ooh, ah. It's just the most ma ma magnificent sight. So we went home. And uh, this picture stuck with me. And the next morning, I had all these African pastors starting to arrive from all the different countries they came from. And uh, we were only going to start that evening with our sessions. And I said to him, well, we have the day. What do you want to do? They said, well, we heard that your city has one of the best zoos in the world. We want to go to the zoo. <laughs> I thought, that's funny. But if you want to go to the zoo, we'll go to the zoo. So I took the pastors to the zoo. And as we walked through the gates, I saw a sign that said, black eagles, this way. And I said, man, I saw these majestic eagles yesterday. I want to go and see them up close. So I said, guys, we're going this way. And so I took these pastors, and when we got to this cage, here was this black eagle in the cage, and there was somebody cleaning the cage. And he left the gate open, and then he goes in, and he takes out his bucket, and he comes and he puts his bucket outside, and then he goes back in to get a, a broom. But as he's coming to and throw, going in, all of a sudden, the black eagle walks out of the cage. And one of the pastors said, hey, the eagle's going to fly away. And the guy cleaning the cage goes, no, it's not. And he just took the eagle's head and he twisted the eagle's head. And the eagle just turned around and he walked back into his cage. And then one of the pastors asked the question that everybody wanted to ask. Why doesn't the eagle fly away? And I'll never forget this guy who cleaned the cage, his answer. He said, this eagle was born in captivity. He does not know that he can fly. And then he said this in his African accent, because he does not think like an eagle. That just struck me. How could this majestic thing I saw yesterday be so pathetic today? Why? Because he was trapped. He was not thinking like an eagle. He was not living up to what he was created to do. He never read Ephesians chapter 1 and Ephesians 2 verse 6 that says, come and sit with me in heavenly places. Look at what this says in Philippians chapter 4. This is the passage that I want to speak to you about today. Philippians 4, it says, Rejoice in the Lord sometimes. Did you get it? 
Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. And he says, be anxious about nothing. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. He says, when you do that, the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, now that includes the sisters, right? If I can be the bride of Christ, you can be a brother. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Think about such things. Now, Paul was writing this letter very specifically to the city, the city called Philippi, the Philippians. Now, Philippi was on the outskirts of the Roman Empire was far away from Rome, but the Caesar in Rome at the time kind of gave the city of Philippi a lot of room. Why? Because it was a very strong military city. Any of you see that movie 300? You can lie. In that movie 300, we hear about this word Cronitis. That was actually the name of the city before it was changed to Philippi because this guy called King Philip who was one of the greatest generals of his time, was one of the greatest military thinkers. He's still celebrated in military academies today. I know they teach it here in the United States. They teach about how great this guy was thinking. But he wasn't as great as his son. You remember the name of his son? His son's name was Alexander the Great. One of the greatest people who ever lived military-wise. So Paul was very intentional in the way that he wrote this letter. He was not challenging just what happened in their spirit. He was challenging in the way they, they think. And so he starts off, and, and, and this is why he kind of gives us this day out of how, how Philippians works. Now, the book of Philippians, we can sum up in one word. The whole book of Philippians is about joy. Joy is mentioned, I don't know how many times, but it's, it's in every chapter you read about joy, how to get joy and he says, the, the way that you get joy is by changing the way that you think. In chapter 1, he speaks about how do you have a single mind. In chapter 2, he speaks about having a submissive mind. In chapter 3, he speaks about having a spiritual mind. And then he gets to chapter 4, where we just read from. And he speaks about how do we get a secure mind. Meaning, how do we get peace in our lives? How do we get peace in our minds in the way that we think? And then he says this, rejoice in the Lord. I remember singing the song in Sunday school, rejoice in the Lord always. You remember that? Yeah, this is where it comes from, right? Rejoice in the Lord always. He says, I'll say it again. Rejoice. You don't get it. I don't mind even getting a smile from you. Why? Because see, Paul says, here's the key. I put that in your notes. It's because God wants to move us from here to here. But in order for us to move from here to here, something needs to happen here. So what is he saying? First, he starts off. This is the first point in your notes. He says, he wants to move us. Look at verse 6. He says, be anxious about nothing. 
Be anxious about nothing. Now, I am a great Greek and Hebrew scholar. And when I looked up what that word nothing means, you know what the word nothing means? It means nothing. Nada. Zip. Zero. It says be anxious about nothing. But here's the reality. There is not a single person sitting in this church this morning that did not bring their anxieties with them. Each and every one of us came hoping, bringing our anxieties before God and saying, God, do something. Why? Because we feel like this ego. We feel trapped. We're sitting here. We have these, these anxious thoughts. Man, we have thoughts like, man, I, I just wish something would happen. I just wish I could get a raise. I just wish my children would change. I just wish my husband or my, I just, oh, come on, God. And, we, and, and we're praying from our anxieties towards God. Please, God, somebody love me. So everybody hates me. I'm going to go eat some worms. Do you remember that? We pray these prayers from our anxiety, and then it steals our joy. We're not joyous because we're so trapped in our anxieties. If only I can rise above this. We start thinking of the good old days when things were simpler and our thoughts start running away with us. Look what Jesus said about this. He says in Luke 12, he says, Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? See, we become trapped in our thoughts and we try and solve problems in our life the way that we will learn, learn how to do that. This is how my parents solve problems. This is how our culture tells us to solve problems. This is how the media tells us to solve problems. And we get so trapped into this thing. I remember many years ago, kind of around when the, the, the uh, worldwide economy started crashing a little bit, about 2008, 2009. I remember sitting in my church office, week after week, people started losing their jobs. And after a while, they started coming into my office to come and tell me their stories. And I mean, after a while, I stopped them and said, let me tell you your story. Because every story started sounding the same. People come into my office and they go, pastor, I lost my job. I said, all right, what was the first thing you did when you found out you lost your job? He says, the first thing I thought to myself, this was the picture of my thinking. He says, the first thing I thought to myself is, how am I going to tell my family tonight? I lost my job. I said, and what did you do then? He says, well, I remembered there was somebody that said to me the other day, listen, if you want some job, you call me. I I've got work for you. He says, so I thought, man, I'm going to call this guy. Well, I know if I'm going to call this guy, he's going to ask me for my resume. So let me kind of just fix up my resume a little bit so I can say, he says, well, while I'm fixing up my resume and I send it to him, why not just send my resume to a bunch of other guys? I go, that's great. Why did you do that? He says, so it will soften the blow tonight when I get home. So at least I can tell my family I did something. I said, and what did you do then? He says, then I prayed. I said, Shouldn't you have started there? See, first we try and solve problems from our own understanding, from our own way of thinking. This is the way it works. It was Albert Einstein who said, you cannot solve your problems 
at the same level of thinking you were when you created them. If you want to solve your problems, you have to think differently. Not at that level where you were. And see, that's what God is saying. I, I, I don't want you to be here trapped in your anxieties. I want to move you from here to here. What is the place that God wants us to move to? He says this in Philippians. He goes on in verse 6. He says, But in everything, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Another word that is used there for the word request in some of the Bible translations is the word desires. Desires. Make your desires known to God. God wants to move you from this place of your anxieties to this place of your desires. What do you desire today? Just a little peace? Just a little breakthrough in your finance? A little breakthrough in your relationships? Maybe I, I just need a new house. Oh, if I can just get married. I mean, you, you, there's these desires that we have that we sometimes don't share with anybody. We have this desire. It's like, if only, if only, if I have that, life would be different. And there's nothing wrong with, with, with desiring something. But, but Paul gives us a clue. He says, if you desire, make sure that you do it through prayer. That you do it through thanksgiving. Through petitioning. Petitioning is like intercession. He says, make sure you do it through that. Because if you bring your desires before God like that, it will reveal your heart. And God is looking at our, our heart. He says, I want you to move from here to here. I want you to get this picture that I'm not praying to God anymore from my problems. I am now seated with him in heavenly realms. And I can look at my problems and not pray from them, but speak to them. Jesus, what do you have to say about that? The scripture is, is, is full of those kind of um, pictures that we have about what do we desire. So let me read to you this. Ephesians, Philippians, to the next chapter is Colossians. In Colossians chapter 3 and verse 1, he starts off by saying this. He says, since then, you have been raised with Christ. Kind of heard that before. He was saying that in Ephesians. Paul was saying that in Philippians. As a matter of fact, he's saying this in Galatians. As a matter of fact, he's saying this in Romans. I mean, almost this is like a central theme for Paul. Paul is saying, every time I write you, I want you to get this picture in your mind that you are seated with Christ in the heavenlies. He says, since then you have been raised with Christ, set your heart on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. Let me read to you that same verse. From a, a different Bible translation. I love this Bible translation. It's called the Mirror Translation. It's now available on Amazon or something. It's similar to an Amplified Translation. This is a really great way. Look at how he puts this. He says, Pursue with diligence the consequence of your co-inclusion in Christ. He's saying, If you understand this picture, there's a consequence. 
That means there's something that's going to happen because of something. There's a consequence of you being included in Christ. He says something is going to happen when you get the picture that you are seated with him in the heavenlies. There's a consequence. Something's going to happen when you realize that you've been raised from the dead with Christ. Something's going to happen when you realize that you are in Christ. Something's going to happen to you when you realize that you've been adopted. Something's going to happen when you realize that your spirit, when God's spirit mixes with you, something's going to happen. He says, this is what's going to happen. You are going to be able to relocate yourself mentally. Where to? He says, relocate yourself mentally because his resurrection co-raised you to the same position of authority, seated in the strength of God's right hand. Now listen to this verse. Verse 2. Becoming affectionately acquainted with throne room thoughts will keep you from being distracted again by the earthly soul-ruled realm. Start thinking throne room thoughts. That's the place that Christ lifts us up to. He brings us, puts us right next to Jesus. You know, the Bible gives us so many clues of what happens in heaven. Have you ever thought about what heaven's going to be like? I mean, we know there are streets of gold. There are crystal sea. We, we know about the 24 elders falling down, throwing their crowns before Jesus. We know that there are angels that come before God's throne. And every time they come before God's throne, they shout out, holy, holy. Holy, guess where you and I are every time that happens? Right next to Jesus. But see, in order for us to think throne room thoughts, you and I need to be in the throne room. Can you see yourself seated hearing the thoughts of Christ? I think of scriptures like Isaiah, uh, Jeremiah. Let's think of Jeremiah 29. Jeremiah 29, it says, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. God says, I have thoughts about you. I'm thinking about you. I have thoughts. How do you get to know these thoughts? By coming to sit next to Jesus. Come share it, Jesus. Come on. I think of, of scriptures like Isaiah, Isaiah 55. In Isaiah 55, God says, my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. My ways are higher than your ways. And God's not saying that to brag. I mean, he's God. He knows who he is. This is a loving father extending an invitation to you and me and say, my thoughts are higher. Come, come up. Come up. Come and hear those thoughts. My ways are higher. Come up. Come and hear my ways. I remember when I was young and dumb. Now I'm just young. But when I was young, in my early 20s, I, I used to run this big, um, small group. We got together on Thursdays. And when we got together, um, afterwards, you would have coffee, we'd talk, and some of the guys were talking, and, and they said, man, you know what we need to do as a bunch of guys? We need to go climb a mountain. And when you're young and dumb, you go, okay. So let's go climb a mountain. We said, but we always talk about this, but we never do this. So when are we going to go climb this mountain? We go, let's do it tomorrow. 
So we have a mountain range about eight hours away from us. We said, okay, we're going to drive there and we're going to go climb this mountain. And I drove home and I said to my mom, hey, mom, do we still have a sleeping bag? And she goes, yeah, I think we got some sleeping bag there. In the, and it was one of these old army sleeping bags. That thing was so heavy. I did not realize how heavy that thing is when you have to drag it up a mountain. And put some food, chuck some stuff in a bag. And we drove out to this mountain and we looked at this mountain. And we go, yes, we're sleeping here tonight. Tomorrow we're climbing that mountain. And the next morning we got our stuff ready. We wanted to climb this mountain. And this, this, this ranger stopped us and he says, where are you going? We said, we're going to climb that mountain. He says, that's not a mountain. That's a hill. This is a mountain. We don't know where you're going to climb. He goes, no, there's, there's no way to, you're going to climb this. And I thought to myself, we're going to climb that. I mean, it's one of the highest mountains I've ever seen. So we said, all right, we start climbing this mountain. And I had this guy who was an international cyclist. He had legs like this. I mean, he was like a little baboon up that mountain. It was a And I'm climbing this mountain and I'm hating every minute of it. And I'm sweating and I'm climbing over the rivers and I'm sliding and I'm cutting my legs on the rocks. And there's mosquitoes. And I mean, it's horrible. And as I'm climbing, I'm, I'm trying to keep my mind busy. And I remember there was this guy in the Bible. His name was Philip. He was one of the disciples. And I remember he was walking around the road and Jesus just translated him. And the next minute he was in the city preaching. And I said, Jesus, if you can do that for Philip, do it for me. Just take me off this mountain. I can be on the couch watching rugby right now. Take me, Jesus. And I remember climbing this mountain. When we got to the top, here was this guy with the big legs. He already had the tent pitched up and he had a little fire going. We were so glad to see this guy. And when we got up to the top of the mountain, I turned around and I looked down the mountain. And I looked at all those places where I injured myself and where I hated every minute. And all of a sudden, going up there, I thought to myself, oh, so this was it. All of a sudden, that didn't feel so bad anymore. All of a sudden, having an elevated view, looking down, it feels like so petty, so small. And so many times we feel like, like we have this mountain in front of us and God's saying, but I'm going to bring you up to a higher mountain so that you look down and you see it's not so hard. I have plans for you. I have a different picture for you. So we're not praying from our anxieties. He wants to move us from here. But this place of his desires where we can speak to our problems. But in order for us to move from here to here, something needs to happen here. We sang that song this morning. It says the chasm was wide. But what did I do? I turned my attention to heaven. I had a different picture. I, I, I started getting different pictures in my mind. But you know, there is this big chasm between us moving from here to here. And you know what it is? It's the point number three in your notes. It's called stinking thinking. We all have stinking thinking. We are busy filling our minds with the wrong information. Let me read to you, take you back to verse 8 of Philippians chapter 4. And this is a verse, uh, you've been using this verse all throughout this series. James has been speaking about it every week. Listen to this verse, verse 8. He says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, 
whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Change the picture. Change the picture to these things. You know, the problem is we don't read that verse like that. You know how we read this verse? We read the verse like this. Finally, brothers, whatever is fake, fake news, whatever is cheap, whatever is trashy. I'm not going to name TV shows, Kardashians. <laughs> whatever is wrong, wherever I can find fault in others, whatever is disgusting, whatever is ugly in this world, whenever I can gossip, if anything is below my standard, or I can belittle others, think about such things. Isn't that the way we think? Because that's the pictures that we get from our media. That's the pictures that, that we get bombarded with. And this gap between our anxieties and our desires is that stinking thinking. God is inviting us to change the pictures of our mind. Who is the source of your information? Is it Fox News? Or is it CNN? Is it ESPN? Maybe it's Facebook or Instagram. Who is forming the pictures of your mind? Or do we give ourselves time to hear God's thoughts? Do we make times to relocate ourselves mentally? To put ourselves in the throne room and start thinking throne room thoughts? Are we actively seeking those? Proverbs 23 verse 7 says, As a man thinks, so is he. Have you been thinking the way God thinks about you? Have you been thinking the way God thinks about you? Fill your mind with the right things. And a lot of us are trapped. We're sitting here where God is saying, but you can fly. You can fly. You can be up here, but you are trapped here in your thoughts. You look at yourself in the mirror in the morning. You go, but I'm not pretty. Then you hear God's thoughts shouting so loud. But wait a minute. I made you. I think you're the most gorgeous thing on the planet. I told you this story before. In my church, I used to have this little nine-year-old kid. Every single Sunday before church, this nine-year-old kid comes and he downloads all the jokes he heard that week on me. It was awesome. And one Sunday, this nine-year-old kid came to me and he calls me uncle. He says to me, uncle. I thought he was going to tell me a joke. He says, uncle, do you know why God made you? I said, no, tell me, why did God make me? He looked me straight in the eye. He says, God made you because he didn't have one of you. Can I tell the same to you? You know why God made you? He didn't have one of you. He broke the mold when he made you, baby. He, that's how he looks at you. He says, I have a different picture. You're looking at yourself. He says, but nobody likes me. Jesus is going, whoa, 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 hold on a minute. I'm crazy about you. I love you. If only you could relocate yourself mentally. Come and see what I see. Come and see what I see. Maybe you're looking at yourself and you go, but I'm not good enough. People have been telling you that your whole life. I'm not good enough. Jesus is going, whoa, 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 hold on. Haven't you read how I put you together in your mother's womb in Psalm 139? Don't you know that I have plans for you? Don't you know that you can do all things through me who strengthens you? Who's the source of your information? Who are you listening to? Some, a lot of people are saying, but, but, but you're like so-and-so. 
man, you're like your dad. You're like your mom. But wait a minute. Jesus goes, no, no, no. Don't you know that I made you in my image? You're like me. If only you get it. There's a, there's a scripture that should have been in the Bible, but it's not. You remember that verse? I told it to you about it last time. Do you remember this verse? It's a, it should have been in the Bible, but it's not. It comes from the Lion King. Do you remember this scene in the Lion King where, where this monkey who plays like a, a, a spiritual figure, he brings this lion, Simba, to the water. Remember that? And he says to him, look in the water. What do you see? And he looks, he goes, I only see my own reflection. And the monkey hits him over the head, right? And he says those famous words, look hard. You remember that? I know you're all going to go watch Lion King after this. And what happens? Sometimes that's what the Bible needs to do. It needs to come and knock you over the head a little. So no, no, get a different picture. He says, look harder. Look, 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 look. And what happens when the lion looks into the, what happens? The image changes. Remember? And what does he see? He sees the king of kings. He sees Mufasa. Say it again, Mufasa. Oh. Right? What happens? The king of kings starts talking to him. And the king of kings says to him, you have forgotten who you are, Simba. Why? Because you have forgotten me. That's the scripture. I get goosebumps. It should have been in the scripture. God is saying, you have forgotten who you are because you have not relocated yourself mentally. You're not thinking throne room thoughts. If you would have, you would have known what I think about you. He says, there is more inside of you than what you've become. And then he ends with those words, when the wind blows, he goes, remember, remember. See, God is wanting to call you today. He says, I want you to remember who you are. I want you to remember how I look at you. I want you to see how I see you. Let me end with this verse in Psalm 8, verse 4. Psalm 8, verse 4 says, What is man that you are mindful of him? The son of man that you care for him or think of him, the King James says. I like this translation because I know it's a question, but... It's almost as if David is making this more as a statement than a question. He's saying, what is man that you are mindful of him? This idea that God fills his mind with you. God fills his mind with man. What is it that God sees when he thinks of you and me? I think when God sees you and me, the first thing that he remembers is he remembers how he made us. He made us in his image and he made us in his likeness and he made us with a purpose. I think when God looks at us, he goes, man, I, I remember that. I think the second thing is when God looks at us, he looks at us through the blood of Jesus. God remembers what Jesus did on the cross. That Jesus cried out, it is finished. You and I have been restored. You and I now have access. The veil has been torn. We can come in, into the throne room. We have access to these thoughts. And so I think God sees us seated next to Jesus. I think God sees us hearing his thoughts. 
what Jesus is thinking about us. The message translation of that last of, of, of that verse in Philippians says this. He says, summing it up, all friends, and I'll end with this. Summing it all up, friends, for us today. I'd say you'll do your best. You can go to that slide. He says, summing it up, all friends, I'd say you'll do your best by filling your minds and meditating on things that are noble, true, reputable, authentic, compelling, gracious. The best, not the worst, the beautiful, not the ugly. Things to praise and not things to curse. Put into practice what you have learned from me, what you heard and saw and realized. Do that. And God, who makes everything work together, will work you into His most excellent harmonies. Close your eyes with me. Scripture is challenging. God always has the best for us. He wants to work us into those excellent harmonies. He says, and it's so easy to do. Relocate yourself mentally. Come and see how I see you. Come and hear my thoughts. For some of you sitting here today, you're just nodding your heads because you go, yes. I know, I know. And the reason I know is, is because at some point I made this decision for Christ. I know Him. I spend time in His Word. I pray. I hear His thoughts. I, I hear His plans. But you know, there are some of us, we've given up. Maybe we have never had that opportunity to come and hear those thoughts. We've, we've never spent time with Jesus because we've never made that commitment to say, Jesus, I want to be seated where you are. Some of us have fallen away. We gave God a shot at some time, but, you know, it just didn't make sense to us. Scripture, people hurt us. People were saying these bad things, and we started filling our minds with pictures that was not of Christ. I believe that you are not here by chance this morning. God woke you up this morning to be here so that He can remind you of who you are, so that He could tell you how He thinks about you. And I want to give people an opportunity this morning that said, man, I've just so fallen away. I've, I've never had this opportunity even to, to meet Jesus. I want to give you that opportunity this morning because I want to pray for you. I want to pray that you would get closer to Him. If you feel like, I want to make that commitment this morning. I, I want to get close to Jesus. I want to sit next to him. Would you just raise your hand there where you're seated? I'm going to pray for you. Thank you, Jesus, for hands. Thank you. You can put them down. Thank you, Jesus. There are hands going up in this church today. It's people that are saying, I'm so tired of what this world has to offer. I'm so tired of what other people think of me. This morning, I'm putting up my hand and surrender. And I'm saying, Jesus, show me what you think of me. I want to hear how much I'm loved. I want to hear how much I'm accepted. I want to hear how much you want to be close to me. And so, Lord, I pray for every person who just put up their hand. I want to pray right now that you would just come and, and start building a new relationship, a, 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 a new bond, a, 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 a new thing. And I want to pray what Paul prayed in Ephesians 1, I pray that the eyes of your heart might be enlightened.
Lord, open their eyes, their spiritual eyes, physical eyes, spiritual ears. Let them hear what you want them to hear. I pray that your word will become a new revelation, will become fresh, that they will know it's the very words of Jesus, not speaking from my problems, but to my anxieties. I just bless every person in this auditorium. I pray, Lord, keep on, keep on, keep on, keep on speaking. Keep on arresting our hearts. Keep on arresting our spirits. Keep on drawing us closer. Keep on bringing us to a place where we would just sit at the right hand of Jesus and listen like Mary did all those years ago. Seated at your feet. Teach us how to sit. Teach us your word. Teach us your voice. Teach us, teach us, Lord. I just pray in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.